For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Mike Osborne. I am the executive pastor here at the Heights. And I am actually almost to the week finishing up 35 years in the ministry. Um, thank you. Of those 35, I spent the first 11 as senior pastor of churches in Virginia and North Carolina. Then I spent 13 years as a full-time vocational evangelist, traveling all around the country and around the world, sharing the gospel. And then for the last 11 years, I've been here as this, in this role as executive pastor. But I'm here to tell you this morning that none of that was part of my original life plan. I did not plan to be in the ministry. 36 years ago, I did not plan to be in the ministry. Uh, in fact, I grew up on a small farm in Southside, Virginia. And so I guess it's not surprising that I started off with this as my career plan. I was going to be a farmer. And uh, then as I got a little older and my, uh, my horizons expanded a little bit, I began to think of other things. And so I thought about maybe I would be a race car driver. And so I tried that for a while. And then, uh, you know, I was back in the born in the early 50s. So in the 50s, you know, cowboys and cowboy movies were big. And so I decided I wanted to be a cowboy. Now, I have to explain this picture a little bit. My dad wouldn't buy me a horse, which I felt was a great detriment to being a cowboy. And then he told me I couldn't actually do anything with the cows because they were too big and I was too little. So my dad came up with this solution. He said, why don't you practice being a cowboy by herding the puppies? And so I began to herd the puppies and I'm herding them towards their corral, which is also known as a swimming pool. And uh, I discovered a great technique. If you'll notice it right here, uh, if you pick them up by your, their tails, you can carry them wherever you want to go. I thought it was a great idea. I don't know why it hasn't expanded and caught on in the cowboy world, but uh, there it is. And then, you know, there were other things. I was a big sports fanatic. I love sports. And so I thought about, you know, maybe I'd like to be a professional sports star. Now, I didn't care what it was. It could be any sport. And, and I actually picked this one. This is for my friend Dario. Uh, this is me practicing the flop in soccer. And so, see, I'm flopped and now I'm appealing to the referee to give me the call on that flop. And, uh, you know, my parents, they kind of put up with all of my different little choices. And their goal was just this, that I not end up behind bars somewhere. And so far, I've accomplished that for them anyway. Um, you know, your plans change as you go through life. Uh, Long-range plans change, even short-range plans, even daily plans change. When I was a kid growing up on the farm, Saturday was a day I planned for. And my plans always included basically this, getting on my bike after breakfast, riding down the road to my friend Jack's house and spending the rest of the day playing with Jack and he and I exploring the countryside. My dad's plans for me on Saturday, however, were more along the lines of playing with a pitchfork and exploring ways to load the hay on the wagon. And so I discovered a truth back then early on, and that truth was this. Your father's plans trump your plans every time. Keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that, all right? So as I began to, to grow up, or maybe I should say get older because there's still some debate over whether I've ever grown up any, but as I began to get older, I began to do away with some of my plans. I realized I was never going to be a professional sports star, so I had to let that go. And, and I discovered, you know, I really, really do not want to be a farmer. That was just too much work, too hard. I didn't want to do that. 
And then I got to thinking about, you know, being a cowboy, and I realized that longhorn steers really don't like being pulled by their tail to direct them and herd them. So I said, cowboy does not work for me either. So I let all of those things go, and here I am stuck now with all the really cool jobs gone. And so I go out into the real world, into real jobs, and I began to search, and I went away to college, and I went away to college, I was planning to be a math teacher. And that was going well until the very first semester of my freshman year in college. And uh, at the University of Richmond, where I was attending at the time, they decided, based on my past academic uh, achievements in Spanish and my scores on my achievement test, that they were going to put me into advanced second-year Spanish to start off my first year, first semester in college. I was very honored by that, and I immediately stepped up to the plate and flunked the course completely. And so I realized that in order to get my math degree at the University of Richmond, you had to meet that language requirement. So I had to pass Spanish. So, you know, being a man of determination and steel, I kind of swelled up and took it, and I went out and went right straight to the registrar's office and changed my major from math to business and accounting because business and accounting didn't require a language, degree, uh, language requirement. So that's how I got into business and into accounting. But God blessed me in spite of all of that. And as my life went along, uh, you know, I met my wife. I got my degree. We got married. I got a job. I got out in the business world. I was doing well. We had a son. Everything was going well. Everything was falling into, into place for us, and we were happy with that. We were kind of trying to redefine our plans as a couple, and we were planning you know, how many children we would have and what our dream house was going to look like and all the exotic places we were going to travel and what we were going to do you know, when I retired at about the age of 42 or something like that. Uh, you know, we had all of that planned out. We weren't neglecting the spiritual part of it either. We were active in our church, active in our life group of young adults. We were busy as a group doing community and trying to serve God and be faithful to God, trying to be good parents, trying to be good people. All of that was going on in our lives. And, you know, it, it just looked like God was bringing that all together. And we even had a life verse to go with it. And you heard a part of it a moment ago. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. And that's what I felt like I was doing. And so there we are. As I said, God is blessing. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got a wonderful new baby son. I've got a good job, a good home. I've got the greatest mother-in-law in all of the world who's visiting us this weekend. Um, now, everything was going well. We were in a circle of friends and family. Uh, we just had everything that we thought we wanted in life. Everything should have been perfect. Everything should have been happy. Everything should have been smooth sailing, but it wasn't. There was an uneasiness and an unrest about us, and we couldn't figure out exactly what it was. I mean, we were doing what we thought we were supposed to do. We even had the life verse to go along with it. But what I came to realize is, with this life verse, we were misapplying it, or at least I was. You see, here is what I was doing with this verse. And this may sound familiar to some of you. It says, commit your activities, commit your plans to God. So I came to God and I said, God, here is my daytimer, my short-term plans. Here's my one-year plan. Here's my five-year plan. Here's my 20-year plan. Here's my retirement plan. Lord, I'm giving all of that to you. Now, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But see, here's the catch. 
Here is what I was saying. I was saying, God, I have planned it all out. Now I give it to you. You bless it and make it happen. See, I wasn't really giving God anything. I just wanted God to bless what I had given him. And see, that's the problem with it. To, to quote the insurance commercial, that's not the way it works. That's not the way any of this works. That's not what the verse is talking about. See, it's not an investment plan. It's not an interest-bearing checking account where I put something in and then I'm going to get more out of it. That's not what God is talking about in all of this. Now, let's go back to that lesson I learned on the farm. Your father's plans trump your plans every time. Let's capitalize a word right here. Your father's plans trump your plans every time. And to make sure that we're all on the same page, we've caught up with where this has taken us, let's add a word right in here. Your heavenly father's plans trump your plans every time. See, that was a discovery time for me. That was an aha moment for me. As I began to realize that that verse that says, commit your activities to the Lord, doesn't mean that every plan and every scheme and everything that I do, God's going to bless. In fact, he tells us earlier in Proverbs that the plans of fools and slackers, they come to no end. So we know that not every plan gets blessed. Not every plan is achieved. And so what is God trying to tell us? What's he talking to us about? Well, let's look back at that verse. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. Commit. Commit your activities. I mean, I was taking all my calendars, all my plans to him. See, that's not what it's talking about. The word commit right here means to literally roll it over on. And God says, roll it over on me. That's what it's saying. Roll it over on someone else. God's saying, roll it over on me. And it's not that I take my plans and I give them to God for him to bless. What that is saying is that I acknowledge that God has the authority and the place in my life to tell me my plans, to direct my steps. And see, that's the aha moment. That's where it started to come into place. That's where I began to discover what it was all about and began to change my life and made this truly into my life verse. You see, it's God telling us what we should be doing and us being obedient to do it. Roll it over to him. And so I rolled it over to him. And here's what I discovered. God did not want me to be a businessman. God did not want me to be a farmer. God did not want me to be a sports star. God did not want me even to be a cowboy. How cool would that be to be a cowboy? But that's not what God had for my life. What God had for me was he wanted me to be in full-time vocational ministry and so I acknowledged that I accepted that kind of because I still wanted to hold on to some control in that and so here's something that I thought and actually was foolish enough to say out loud I said that's okay I can do that God you want me in the ministry I can be a youth minister you know in 35 years of ministry guess what I've never been 
But anyway, Sue and I went over to our pastor's house to tell him what we'd come to realize. We're sitting there in his den talking to him, and his phone rings, and he goes into the other room to answer it. That was back in the days when you had to go in the other room to answer the phone. There was only one hanging on the wall somewhere in the house. And I can hear him kind of talking, not really understanding what he's saying. Then he sticks his head back in the door to the den, and he asks me this question. He says, are you going to be here this Sunday? And I said, yeah, as far as I know, we're in town this Sunday. He goes, okay. And he goes back in there. I do hear one thing that he says to the guy on the other, on the other end of the phone. He says, don't worry, I got it covered. Ominous words. Well, he finishes the conversation. He comes walking back into the den, sits down, and he looks at me, and he goes, oh, by the way, you're preaching this Sunday at Mount Zion Baptist Church. So I went and preached that Sunday at Mount Zion Baptist Church. A month later, they called me to be their pastor. And 35 years later, here's where we stand. Because we committed our activities to the Lord. Now, I am at the stage in my life where I have come to terms with the fact that the majority of my life and ministry are both behind me. They're in the rearview mirror. Now, I say that, and sometimes people will go, oh, don't talk like that. Don't say that. It's just the truth. I am 62 years old. In order for the majority of my life to be in front of me, I would have to live to be older than 124. I think the chances are slim. And I've been in the ministry, as I said, 35 years. So in order for me to have the majority of my ministry in front of me, it means I am going to minister beyond the age of 97. Again, I think it's a little remote. No, the truth of the matter is the majority of my life and ministry are behind me. And when you come to terms with that, you can go in one of two directions. You can go in a direction that just depresses you completely. Or the way I choose to go is in a direction that says it just emphasizes the importance of every choice and every decision I make for Jesus from now on out. I don't have time to waste anymore. You know, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you do have a little time to waste. You shouldn't waste it, but you got some time to waste. When you're 62, you don't have time to waste. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. God's got a calling on my life, and I need to be about it. You see, when God shows you his will for you and what he wants you to do in your life, he also shows you those things you don't want to do. And I don't want to waste any time doing things that God doesn't want me to do. I've already done that in my life. I've wasted so much time. I want to be sure that I am doing and carrying out the vision that God has for me. And that means some things change. You know, some things I thought I was going to do when I was younger, God's not giving me that vision anymore. I've got to leave that for some of you. I've got to do the things God has called me to do. I wrote down a question that David Jeremiah had shared one day. And it was this. Are your dreams greater than your memories? In other words, it's what's in the future full of more potential and opportunity than the things of the past. And I believe my dreams are greater than my memories. i got some pretty good memories. In fact, my son was going to get me a T-shirt one time related to my athletic prowess that says, the older I get, the better I was. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've got great memories of what God has done and opportunities he's given me to preach all around the world. 
But I think that's a drop in the bucket compared to whatever he has planned for whatever time I have ahead. I'm excited about what God is doing in my life. Now, what does that mean for you? I mean, what does all this mean for you? I mean, what I've shared with you so far is basically a story. It's a story of my life. It's how God got me to where I am. It's my life verse. It's, I hope, showing you the truth that moved me from where I was through what I've done to where I am today. But again, it's just my recounting, my story. And you may have enjoyed it. You may have been bored to death by it. Those of you that have heard me preach before know this is not my normal sermon, not the way I normally preach. But what is it that God wants you to do with all of this? What does he want you to do with this this verse? Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. Truth of the matter is, it's probably not your life verse. It's mine. Could be yours, but probably not. But the truth also is, is that it is a verse. A verse from the word of God. And when you encounter God's word in your life, it is an intersection and a place where you've got to do something with it. Every time you encounter God's Word in your life, you've got to make a decision about how you're going to respond to it and what you're going to do with it. And to be honest, you have the opportunity always to say, I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to pay any attention to it. Truth of the matter is, though, most of us in here today, I don't think feel that way. You know, we don't come to church saying, I'm going to come to church today and ignore whatever the preacher says. I'm going to come to church today and whatever God says, I'm just going to let it go in one ear and out the other. That's not how we think. We come to church wanting to hear God's word. Wanting God to speak to us. So God is speaking to you through the intersection of your life in this verse. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to handle it? The beginning of the sermon, in the sermon bumper there, you heard Christine read our scripture this morning. And one of the verses she read was uh, Proverbs 16.1. I want you to look at it in a different translation. This is a message Bible. It says, mortals make elaborate plans. That's us. But God has the last word. It's a good translation of that verse. God has the last word in my life. God has the last word in your life. What difference is that going to make? We've got some young people in here, some high school students, middle school students. We've got some college students in here. I mean, folks that are just really getting started in life. Let me ask you a question. How many years do you have left in life? I see a lot of this, which is a pretty good answer. But I'm going to give you the answer. You ready? You can write this down. Remember, I was going to be a math teacher, so here's your algebraic uh, equation. How much time do you have left? X number of years. That great unknown that's always out there that we've been searching for for years. And we've got a lot of median adults in here, you know, 20s, 30s, wherever you want to cut it off, it's up to you. How many years do you have left? X number of years. And for us senior adults in the crowd, and there are a few of us in this, in this uh, service here, 
How many years do we have left? X number of years. So the answer is we all have the same number of years. In a sense, we do. We all have the number of years that God has planned for us. And those are the years that we have to use for his honor and his glory and his purpose in our lives. Those are the number of years we have that are our opportunity to do something for Jesus from this moment forward. And it may be a year and it may be a decade and it may be seven decades, but that's our time. And it's all about prioritizing and understanding what it is God would have us to do. It's discovering those things that he wants us to do and discovering the things that he doesn't want us to do and moving forward in obedience with that. There's a little phrase at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, if you're like me, if you've ever heard this section of Scripture, this verse, preached or taught, they always come at it with the negative aspect. The negative thoughts, the sinful thoughts, the sinful desires. You need to bring all of those things that are apart from God and ungodly in your life, and you need to bring them captive to Him in obedience. But I want you to look closely at what the verse actually says. It says, taking what? Every, doesn't say taking every evil thought, every sinful, it says taking every thought. And you know what this word means in the Greek? It means every. It means all. It means all manner of. Anything and everything. See what Paul's saying to us is that we need to commit our activities to God. We need to give him the authority and the place in our lives that says he has the last word, that says he is in control. Now, for you young people, that should be exciting for you because what it says to you is you have this larger number of X than most of us larger number of years in which you have the opportunity to serve God faithfully and to change the world around you and to make an impact for Jesus Christ. You're going to have decades, for the most part, to do that. Don't waste the time like so many of us out here did. Commit your activities to the Lord. Let Him tell you what to do and you just be obedient to it. And senior adults, what does it mean for us you know, in 35 years of ministry, here's a phrase I've heard over and over again from senior adults. Done my time. Let the younger ones handle it now. I'm going to tell you something. I'll let you get away with that excuse on one condition. Find it in here. Find it in here. You see, you can retire from your business. You can retire from your secular job. In fact, in a lot of cases, that's good because then it frees us up to do the things that God would have us to do. But nowhere in Scripture does it say you get to retire from being a child of God. 
You don't get to retire from serving him. You don't get to retire from carrying out the purpose that he has in your life. Again, think back to what we said a moment ago. Are your dreams greater than your memories? See, memories are good. I've got a lot of good memories in my life. Memories are good, but your dreams are what give you purpose. You need to be looking ahead to that. You need to be doing that. I was sharing with our executive staff here at church this week that years ago I met a gentleman down at a campground in Myrtle Beach. And he was a retired Fuller Brush salesman. Now some of you are old enough to know the Fuller Brush salesman that used to come around. He had retired at the age of 65. When I met him, he was in his 90s. He was close to 95, if not quite there. And he, was, he and I were talking one day, and he told me this. He said, when I retired at age 65, I asked God, I said, God, would you please grant me this request? Would you give me the opportunity every day of the rest of my life to talk to somebody about Jesus? Let me tell you how God answered that. Now, I'm talking with a man 30 years after that prayer. And he told me, he said, Pastor, he said, God not only answered it, in that every day, 365 days a year for 30 years, he's let me tell somebody about Jesus. He said, but I've not had a single day go by that he's not let me lead somebody to the Lord. You think about that, 365 days times 30 years. What if he had said, done my time, let the young ones handle it. And for those of you that classify yourselves in the middle between the young and the seniors, guess what? Same holds true for you. You've got X number of years, X number of days. What are you going to do with it? Think back to our verse again. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. You see, I've discovered in the 35 years since I truly committed mine, the 35 years since I made this truly my life verse, I've discovered that there's a whole lot of folks like me who are taking plans and activities that are in and of themselves not bad, not wrong, not evil, but they're taking what they've decided and what they want and asking God to bless them. Would you think this morning, as God's Spirit speaks to you, do you need to commit your activities to the Lord? Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. We're going to use this as our time of decision in here today. What I want you to do is just open up your heart. Open up your mind. Open up your spirit to God. And ask Him, God,
Have I truly committed my activities? Or am I just asking you to bless what I want? with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The desire of your heart today is, God, however many days and years I have left, I want to make sure I've committed them to you, that I'm living in obedience to your plans for my life. That's the desire of your heart. The show of that commitment this morning to him. Would you just stand where you are? Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. You just stand. If you're saying, God, I want to commit whatever I got left. I want to make sure it's in line with you. Thank you. All over the congregation. Thank you. But I thank you on behalf of God and your walk with him. That's God's desire. That's God's plan for your life. That's God's purpose for your life. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you for that commitment. Father, use the lives that have been committed to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.